0: From Washington, D.C., across the nation and around the world, stand by for an overview of the hottest topics and people being discussed on air, online, at the coffee shop and across the backyard fence. Powered by the research of Talkers magazine, the national conversation, it's time for the Michael Harrison Wrap. Here's Michael Harrison. Thank you, Victoria Jones. Monday, November 22nd through Friday, November 26th, 2021. It was a week figuratively shortened by Thanksgiving weekend beginning for many as early as Wednesday afternoon. So hopefully, full disclosure, nothing major happened after we put this installment to bed late on Tuesday as opposed to our usual Friday schedule. We're about to embark upon a bold hour of Black Belt Talk radio during which your tolerance for hearing different but legitimate points of view will be tested. It's the power-packed one-hour radio show featuring opinionated yappers from across the country with microphones, smartphones, and digital recording devices sharing their observations as well as the feelings of their target constituents with whom they do their daily dance of affirmation in a fragmented, noisy world where we try to avoid the modern-day syndrome of seeking victory at the expense of truth. Welcome to the Michael Harrison Rap, heard coast to coast and around the world on great radio stations in the US and the UK. The past week's hottest political and social topics discussed in the American talk media. Informations gathered from a variety of sources, including data tracked by the broadcasting trade publication Talkers Magazine, of which I'm editor and publisher. Fasten your C Crane CC earbuds. Speaking of which, this installment of the Michael Harrison Rap is sponsored in part by C Crane, makers and distributors of great radios. Visit their website at ccrane.com or give them a call at 800-522-8863. Okay, here we go. Joining us now is Kevin Casey, executive editor of Talkers Magazine. Because it was a holiday week, Kevin, we won't do our usual entire 10. Give us a rundown of the seven most talked about stories on talk shows in America
1: this past week. Thank you, Michael. Yes, it was a difficult week to track the national talk show conversation because the Thanksgiving holiday curtailed the natural flow of media conversation for the second half of the week. Lots of holiday specials and best of shows filled the talk shows of America. That being said, at number Seven, we have a combined group of late breaking topics that include President Biden opening up oil reserves to ease the price of gas at the pumps, the president announcing his intent to nominate Jerome Powell for a second term as chair of the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System, and to nominate Dr. Lael Brainerd to serve as vice chair. the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System.
0: And the January 6th committee issuing subpoenas to former Trump advisor Roger Stone and infamous conspiracy theorist Alex Jones.
1: At number six, Thanksgiving, travel and football. As you pointed out, Michael, it was a short work week for many Americans looking forward to taking a long weekend and perhaps a break from their struggles. Many started out as early as Wednesday, and it was a week of extremely heavy travel, plenty of food in spite of the shortages, and lots of football. Of course, we live in a time marked by an intense and relentless news cycle, so holiday weekends all weekends for that matter, are quite different here in 2021 than they were in years gone by.
0: Yes, the drumbeat can be psychologically deafening. Thanksgiving 2021 is playing out as a time of deep reflection and hopefully an oasis of relief from the anxiety and stress of today's world. As we enter the second Christmas season of the pandemic era, an atmosphere of uncertainty permeates the environment.
1: At number five, crime and violence tied with the parade tragedy. The terrible tragedy in which at least five people were killed and 48 more were injured when an SUV plowed into a Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin last Sunday became a major focal point of conversation this past week, kicking off the holiday season on a very sour note. At least two children are among the injured. Although police identified the suspect this past Monday, at the time we produced this week's show earlier than usual, many of the details as to motive remained unclear.
0: Sadly, the incidence of street crime, burglary, and violence in our cities continues to rise. What's going on in the San Francisco Bay Area is outrageous. After a huge retail crime spree in Union Square Friday, San Francisco's mayor and police chief promised changes are coming to the area. The Louis Vuitton store in San Francisco's Union Square was just one of nearly a dozen retail stores hit in the brazen smash-and-grab robbery spree.
1: At number four, race relations tied with voting legislation. Many of the major news stories playing out in the national conversation, including two high-profile trials in Kenosha, Wisconsin and Brunswick, Georgia, tie into the ongoing discussion of race relations in America. Not to mention, the spreading debate over red state houses defying federal regulations by passing an increasing number of voter regulation laws that civil rights leaders consider repressive and a return to the Jim Crow era that followed Reconstruction after the Civil War and the assassination of Abraham Lincoln.
0: Serious XM Satellite Radio talk show host Joe Madison, who was a guest on this program last week, has now passed his second week of carrying out a personal hunger strike that he says will continue until the Senate passes a reasonable voter protection law to counteract this trend. Madison, a man in his 70s who has dealt with several health issues in recent years, told me several days ago that he's committed to taking this all the way, even if it results in his own
1: death. At number three, the Written House verdict. The Kyle Rittenhouse self-defense case ended with an acquittal by the jury and in its wake left a storm of controversy, further aggravating the fault lines that exist between the nation's political factions that are now more at odds than ever. This includes the political parties, the media, and the electorate.
0: During an appearance on the Fox News Channel in his first interview after the verdict, Rittenhouse stated, This wasn't a political case. It shouldn't have been a political case. It was made a political case. This had nothing to do with race. And the ways people are twisting this is just sickening.
1: At number two, COVID-19 vaccines, boosters, variants, mandates, masks, and politics. Americans headed into the Thanksgiving weekend anxious to travel and get together with family and friends with the specter of COVID-19 hanging over their heads as new variants are popping up in Europe. Cold weather intensifies and questions remaining as to the efficacy of vaccines and boosters.
0: And of course, the mandate situation remains a burning political issue that's still causing local school boards to become emotional battlegrounds. It is becoming clearer and clearer that we're in a pandemic era of gigantic social, economic and political consequences that we'll be living with in one way or another for many years to come.
1: At number one, the economy, including inflation, supply chain backups, and the labor shortage. The convergence of Black Friday, the Christmas shopping season, fears of COVID, and the rise of inflation against the backdrop of supply chain shortages is conspiring to make the state of the economy difficult to assess. Hang on for a wild ride. Perhaps it's
0: time to make home-baked cookies and return to simpler values while we tough it out during this disturbing chapter of history and find some sort of equilibrium in 2022. Thank you, Kevin Casey from Talkers Magazine. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison Wrap. This was somewhat of a truncated week due to the holiday weekend, so most of our conversational focus on the stories that were playing out during the first part of this past week and that we're certain would continue to be factors in the national conversation throughout the Thanksgiving weekend. One of the biggest of our seemingly never-ending stories is the COVID-19 pandemic. Joining us now from Las Vegas is our medical correspondent, a nationally syndicated radio talk show host, heard daily on the Genesis Communications Network, in addition to being a widely respected physician, Dr. Dahlia Wax. Here we are. It's Thanksgiving weekend, uh, Dr. Wax, and uh, uh, by the time this program is airing, Thanksgiving has come and gone. A lot of people are eating leftovers and maybe still trying to get their buttons to to close. Um, but we're heading full steam into the Christmas season and the holiday season, and. Um, I'd like to cover a couple of areas with you about uh, COVID-19, because it's still very much with us, isn't it?
2: It is. It is. And and sadly, we're also seeing more flu this year than last year. So this twindemic is something we've been dreading, and we're afraid we're going to be seeing it.
0: Well, uh, you know, it's uh, it's starting to get chilly in much of the country, and I don't know. What well, does the temperature have anything to do with this type of thing, with either the flu or the a uh, pandemic um, or is it just coincidental i've never fully understand the impact of cold upon colds
2: Exactly. Yeah. You bring you. I'm glad you brought that up because you notice, you know, like I I live in Nevada and so it's still kind of warm. So we aren't having a surge in cases. But Austria, you know, in Europe, they're having searches of cases. And so with colder weather, people end up not being outside as much playing volleyball, going to the beach. They're more indoors. And when people are more indoors and they're going back to work and they're busy and they're shopping, there's more close interaction rather than being outside in the park.
0: How should people handle themselves in this uh, kind of uh, nether world where, where we're in this limbo between knowing that COVID is still out there and that and, and, and that statistics indicate it's still a danger, and uh, the feeling that it's okay to have to be out in crowds? You know, we see sporting events are full and people are going to the theater, and now even though there are kind of supply problems, people are going to go to stores. Um, mm-hmm. What's your what's your advice?
2: Exactly. Yeah. So my advice is realize whether you're vaccinated or not, you're still at risk. We've had too many people feel that they could just, you know, kiss strangers and party it up because they got the vaccine and they're good. And I think we've come to realize that the vaccine isn't enough, that that the virus, you know, outsmarts, you know, what we do in a lab. And so even though the vaccine is very, very protective, just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean you're completely immune. So just keep in mind that you could still at any time, like we saw with Colin Powell, may General Colin Powell, may rest in peace, we are all still susceptible to this virus. It's a crapshoot. So just kind of be aware that vaccine or not, you're still at risk.
0: But politically speaking, because there is that influence, that is not for people to assume that you've changed your stance on the opinion that one is better off vaccinated than one is not vaccinated.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Vaccinated. I I am so blessed that I was able to get the vaccine. I am going to get the booster. I'm having some surgery this week. So I waited because, you know, I get a fever with the vaccine and the last thing I want is for surgery to be put off. But I am going to get the booster as soon as I can.
0: Now, what about uh, what's going on in Europe? Um, I hear that there's a variant of the variant. <laughs> that the, that there's a delta variant variant. Um, mm-hmm. What's going
2: yeah. on? Yeah, I thought it's called the little baby delta. But but basically, these variants, the more they get to brew, the more they get challenged in nature. They have they try to outsmart nature. Man danks God links, so nature is trying to outsmart what man can do. You know, in terms of vaccines, in terms of masks, and so these mutations are supposedly making it available to catch on. Last or or latch on to the ACE receptor and able to replicate faster. And um, we still think our vaccines are the best uh, tool out there, but we are going to have to expand our... Our armory or our artillery we 're going to have to get um, therapeutics uh, we 're going to have to do more preventative measures and we 're going to have to eventually you know learn how to live with this virus and um, and build up our natural immunity as well not by getting exposed but by making sure we 're out in the sun by making sure we 're not you know we have other sorts of um, um, exposures to like regular people, so that our immune system is always charged and doing what it's supposed to, and not getting lazy.
0: What about um, the uh, the latest on on the meds themselves, on the on the vaccines in terms of approval? Any um, movement in that area?
2: Absolutely. So we do have the you know pediatric approval now for five to eleven. Um, I know there's still a lot of parental hesitancy, and, you know, it's, it's that's going to be kind of tougher, you know, for parents to get on board. There's been about 712 pediatric deaths since the COVID pandemic began, 712 too many, but I get many parents are a little concerned about the myocarditis, the menstrual irregularities, and other sorts of risks. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. And you know how I feel about mandates. I'm pro-vaccine, but I'm not a fan of mandates. And so I understand parents uh, parents are hesitant, but they do it not because they're, you know, they're they're politicals because they're you know they they want to you know they're in charge of their child's health and so they wanna make sure they make a right decision. So it is gonna take a lot of education and seeing how this plays out. In terms of therapeutics, which is something that's really gonna be a game changer, I think we're still waiting on the Merck approval. Ivermectin does not sound like it's being moved forward yet despite all the studies out there. I know there's been, I get asked every day from patients asking for it and I can't write it on, on my telemedicine platform. Even though I see the same studies they do, it's just, um, I think the reason why, and everybody asks, why won't the FDA even look at ivermectin? It's because it's so much easier to start with a new drug, Merck, that doesn't have any baggage than ivermectin that's been around for decades, because the FDA is responsible for anything that ivermectin did. In the past, if they're going to use it for this application, so even though there's studies, it's it, it's a lot of bureaucracy, and so I think Merck is pretty much going to be the next one, um, you know, down the line that that, that will get to use. But it's going to be imperative that we have something because just like with the flu and Tamiflu, we want to be able to take something that can stave off symptoms.
0: What about healthy eating now? Uh, as we uh, look at the holiday, um, many people listening to this broadcast, which takes place on. Uh, Friday through Sunday. So Thanksgiving is over, but some people are still having their uh, leftovers. And then of course the the holiday season is known for for overeating <laughs> and really uh, it's almost become a cliche. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, so you know, I, I think we've learned that um, in the last few years that the best diets are that with low sugar, low lower carbs. And the Thanksgiving dinner is oh my gosh, my favorite is the dark meat. You got the potatoes, you got the sweet potatoes, you got the pie, and so the leftovers. I, yeah, usually there's vegetables left over, but nobody will eat those day two. But they sure will eat all the carbs and all that. So keep in mind that your sugar loads are going to be up. You're going to want to exercise, and bacteria, viruses like sugar. So we could be putting our our health at higher risk with sugar, alcohol, things like that. So just make sure you eat in moderation. Don't overeat. Save your leftovers. If you don't want your plate getting thrown out, save it. That's what I always do. And um, lower also your fat intake because there's going to be a lot of fat we're going to be eating this holiday.
0: That's nationally syndicated radio talk show host and respected physician Dr. Dahlia Wax of the Genesis Communications Network. Coming up next... A look at the holidays with national talk show host Lars Larson in Portland, Oregon. You're plugged in to the Michael Harrison Wrap. Hey, fellow radio lover, the holiday season is officially here, and I have a fantastic gift idea for you. Buy that special radio lover in your life a brand new radio, and pick up one for yourself while you're at it. A real radio that you choose from a gigantic selection of radios, not something you've settled for because of limited choices and supplies that calls itself a radio. C Crane is the company that specializes in high-quality radios, AM, FM shortwave, big ones, small ones, high power ones, battery operated ones, even radios with cranks when no power is available. Yes, radios that can even access the internet. C Crane is the place to go to find a unique holiday gift for that radio lover in your life. And perhaps, one for yourself as well. Check out their catalog and website. Call 800-522-8863. That's 800-522-8863 or visit them online at ccrane.com continuing now with the michael harrison rap it's thanksgiving weekend across america and the official start of the christmas season joining us from portland oregon is compass radio network syndicated host lars larson to share a few words about the impact of the holidays Lars, you know this is a special weekend. It's the um, it's uh, the Thanksgiving weekend, and now it's the official beginning of the holiday season, or at least the Christmas season. I mean, it starts actually at Labor Day, but uh, now we can do it without any apologies. What are your thoughts about um, this? Um, Thanksgiving weekend and this 2021 holiday season and you know, your personal feelings as we're coming out of the pandemic and we're living in such a, a difficult time. What are your thoughts about um, the holidays and uh, family and uh, commercialism and you know all the things that go on at this time of year?
3: Michael, I am thankful. I try to be thankful and wake up every day and thank God not just for my great friends like Michael Harrison and for my family and my granddaughter and everybody around me, but for all the blessings that God has showered on this country. We are an exceptional country, but I think part of that is because the founders said, your rights come from God. And if, there's, if for some people there's only one day of the year that they can be thankful, at least along with the football games and the turkey and the stuffing and all the other good stuff that comes, you know, the fun stuff that comes with it, I hope people remember to be thankful for what we enjoy in this country. Sometimes freedoms can feel like, you know, to, to us, like uh, water feels to a fish. It's there all the time. And yet you, you look around and you realize how, how fragile it is, even in this country. We've seen a lot of attempts to silence people to bully people, to force people into one point of view or another, and that's not America. And I suggest that we listen to some of our friends who've moved here from Ukraine or from communist China or from other places on the planet where freedoms are not free and freedoms are not omnipresent as they are here and say, we've got something special here, and we should take note of the fact that freedom is relatively rare on planet Earth and that America is that last bastion of freedom on the planet.
0: Do you um uh? What are your thoughts about the fact that the Thanksgiving table has become synonymous with where people are now fighting about politics? (laughs) I'm
3: so I'm so sorry to hear that because I just saw a poll the other day saying some amazing numbers, some huge percentage of people have been disinvited from Thanksgiving. Yes, and last year and the year before, the four years before, it was because uh, you, you had Trump fans coming to Thanksgiving dinner with people who hated the orange man with a passion, and now it's about vaccines, it's about mandates. You know, wouldn't it be nice to have one day where you can just say we're going to put politics aside, we're going to have a wonderful family gathering, and we know we have different points of view, and actually we should think that's a wonderful thing. God forbid we should ever live in a country where everybody has the same point of view on everything. Think how uninteresting life would be, and then enjoy the blessings of the freedom of speech, and understand... I can put a pause on my freedom of speech uh, because I know that there are people in my family who may disagree with me, and that's okay. They can disagree with me, and I can disagree with them, but you've got to be able to get together with family. And then, as I said, say thanks to God. And I'll give you a quote from a Democrat. Now, I don't quote Democrats that much, but JFK, in his inaugural, there's one, you know, let the word go forth is the quote that everybody uses, but one or two sentences before that, he talked about the founders of this country and the then radical idea they had. That, And this is the way he put it, that the rights of man come not from the generosity of the state, but from the hand of God. And I think JFK would have been thrown out of the Democrat Party today in 2021, but I thought that was an extraordinary uh, quote. And it's funny, that's the one line I rarely hear from anyone. You always hear, you know, let the word go forth from this time and place, you know, that the torch has been passed. Hmm. It's a nice line, but I thought the line about the radical idea of our founders, that our rights come from God and not from the generosity of government, absolutely brilliant.
0: You know, Lars, uh, JFK was assassinated on November 22nd 1963, right before Thanksgiving. It was 58 years ago this very week. You don't hear much about that anymore. Um, Maybe so much time has gone by that uh, the only time they'll talk about JFK's assassination is on the years that end in fives and tens. I want to. Uh, I want to get one little gem of wisdom about you going forward here. Now um, sure. we're coming into the real heavy-duty commercial shopping season for Christmas. We still have the um, uh, supply chain slowdown. We're still dealing with inflation. The economy is a little bit out of whack. A lot of it is because of the pandemic. Obviously, some of it is policy. Um, What what, what do you think the the impact of the holiday being in full season now and these economic issues, do you think it's going to exacerbate the problem? Do you think people will be cool? What do you think?
3: I think people are going to be cool. Americans find a way to muster through. Keep calm and carry on, as the British like to say. I think we'll get through this, and there will probably be some frustrations. In fact, my wife usually shops for Christmas for the whole family early, and this year she decided to be even earlier than that. And with my granddaughter... Here's a good solution for you. She's making, and she's five. So listen, this is within the capability of anybody listening to this show. She's five years old. She's making with her hands and with brushes and paints and all that every single gift that she's giving to every single member of, of the extended family. And, and that's always a solution as well. I think many people would, would uh, probably value and treasure more a personal letter that you sat down and wrote with your own hand, even with bad handwriting like mine, a whole lot more than whatever expensive giga that you can either pick up at the store or order on Amazon.
0: That's nationally syndicated radio host Lars Larson joining us from Portland, Oregon. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison rap. The economy was at the top of the heap this past week in the national conversation, according to the research of Talkers magazine. Joining us now is one of the most influential libertarian academicians in the nation and a former nominee of the Libertarian Party for the governorship of New Jersey. He's a professor of finance emeritus at Ramapo College, and he's author of the provocative new book titled Navigating the Boom Bust Cycle, An Entrepreneur's Survival Guide. Dr. Marie Sabrin, what is the basic premise of the boom and bust cycle that you write about in your new book?
4: Well, very simply, Michael, uh, the Federal Reserve creates destabilization in the economy by pumping money in and pumping money out, manipulating interest rates to levels that are below where they should be in a free market, And that causes an unsustainable boom. And then when they get nervous about the overheating economy, they withdraw money from the economy. And that creates the bust conditions and that business people have to be aware of that in order to survive the downturn.
0: What about the premise that this is done to offset other economic factors that could create a boom or a bust that would be perhaps uncontrollable?
4: No, that's, I think, one of the great myths that's out there in, in in the business world. The economy, a free market economy, works exceedingly smooth as long as the government doesn't interfere, doesn't overreach with its regulations and its taxes and its spending. A free enterprise economy is the most vibrant method for people to get the goods and services they want. And if the government kept its hands off of it, we would have a sustainable economy for decades and decades to come. Why do they do it? Well, because they, it's groupthink, Michael. In the research I did about the Federal Reserve for the past 50 years, they believe that it's necessary for a growing economy to have money constantly pumped in. And, and as my research shows, this causes the boom-bust cycle. We, we wouldn't have a boom-bust cycle if the Federal Reserve uh, didn't manipulate interest rates, which creates these unsustainable conditions.
0: What type of a pattern have you um, uncovered in your research? I know it's very difficult to predict when the next boom or the next bust will come, but obviously you've been following this a long time and you have a national reputation both in the media and in academia for being an expert on this. Um, so, so what guidelines have, are you following that um, indicate any kind of a pattern or is it without a pattern?
4: No, there is a, strict, there is a pattern, I, and I discussed this in the book. What happens when the Federal Reserve gets concerned that inflation is running out of control is they start to withdraw liquidity from the uh, financial system, which means that they start selling securities that they own. And that takes money out of the system. That's when the interest rate, the short-term interest rates, go above the long-term interest rate called the inverted deal curve, and that begins the countdown to the next recession. And if you, and if you look at the chart of the inverted deal curve for decades, the inverted yield curve always precedes the next downturn in the economy.
0: Now, has this pandemic that we've been through, and all of the uh, the murkiness and uh, the the uncertainty and tumult that it's created, is that playing a role right now in our current position in terms of where we stand between boom and bust?
4: Yeah, because what what the Federal Reserve did last year when the inverted when the yield curve inverted at the end of 2019, and then the the pandemic hit in the first quarter of 2020, and the stock market declined, and unemployment skyrocketed. The Federal Reserve did something unprecedented; it created four trillion dollars in, in new money, which kept interest rates at close to zero, and that led the stage for the next upswing in the uh, in the boom cycle, and that's where we are now. But unfortunately, inflation is roaring ahead when it wasn't for 40 years. And so we're seeing the adverse consequences, the counterproductive consequences of easy money, which is higher inflation.
0: Would you say that some of the inflation is being caused by... um uh, perhaps temporary um, reactions to the pandemic such as um, the uh, the demand for goods that have that are not there because the factories were closed or the supply chain has been interrupted in other words things that are different than say what we experienced in what was almost a decade-long uh, inflation and stagnation back in uh, the 70s uh, what are your thoughts about that
4: Well, this is why you have to unpack the the data to see exactly what are the cause and effects. The the creation of new money in 2020 is now is getting felt in the the, uh, goods market and services market. Prices are skyrocketing. Housing prices are skyrocketing. And then you have the supply chain issue, which is caused by the pandemic lockdowns that occurred all around the world and the disruptions of production. So you have all these things converging into where we are today with uh, some goods not being available, some goods being abundant, Prices going up, and it's it's a real mess. And unfortunately, the people are suffering, and and uh, the politicians and the policymakers are trying to do uh, do things that they haven't tried before, which is try to manage this with a pandemic and a boom bust cycle that's underway.
0: What are your thoughts about the this um, great uh, resignation or or people not wanting to go back to work and 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 and, and that which. Seems to me to be crazy, but it. it uh, on the other hand, I guess it's real. What? Do you, what? What? What's your insight on this subject?
4: Well I, I. I think there are so many people out there who are so fearful of getting COVID that they would rather work at home, which is understandable because the government is creating all these dire. Uh, uh, news reports about uh, the media not helping by showing people who are on ventilators and what have you. And people think that if they get COVID, they're going to die when the survival rate for most people is close to 99.9%. And so there's, I think, a misconception out there that if you get COVID, you you get terribly sick or die. Uh, But uh, if you're generally healthy, you could be around people without having any adverse consequences to your own health.
0: So, so you think the reason people, you see, there are all the theories out there. You think the reason people are quitting or, 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 or risking their jobs is primarily fear of COVID. Um, what about the idea that this pandemic has just made people reevaluate their life mission, that they're either depressed or disgusted or, 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 or don't want to go back to that environment for emotional reasons as opposed to fear. Uh, have you explored or considered any of those?
4: Well, the other thing that's going on, Michael, is that all these vaccine mandates is causing a lot of hesitancy of people who don't feel they need a vaccine in order to lead their lives. And so you've got, as you pointed out, anxiety, depression, all these other factors that are causing people to react differently. And this is why it's so interesting and un- unfortunately uh, debilitating for a lot of people who have to cope with going back to work and how should they should work. Do they want to go back to the workplace and have to get a vaccine when they feel they don't need it because they either had COVID or they, uh, and therefore have natural immunity or they feel that their uh, immune system is strong enough to ward off any sort of illness?
0: And uh, in conclusion, I, I hear um, that um, students are being um, uh, particularly impacted by this. Retirees, people are thinking about changing jobs. they they, they, they don't. It isn't that they don't want to work. They just want to change what they're doing. Who are the most vulnerable to this boom bust cycle? And 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 what should they be thinking at this point? At this point in time?
4: Historically, it's low-income workers who tend to get laid off first when the recession hits. It's uh, people who with marginal skills. Uh, it's it's uh, young people who uh, may be uh, last hired, and companies, when they cut back, will, will let go people who were last hired. And then, of course, retirees, people who are on fixed incomes, uh, even though they're getting a boost in Social Security in, uh, in 2022 because of the inflation rate for the past 12 months. So a lot of people are affected. Tens of millions of Americans are adversely affected by the government's policies, especially the Federal Reserve's policies. And so therefore, uh, I'm on a mission, Michael, to inform the American people about how these policies are affecting them and hopefully people will say enough is enough let's go back to the type of a uh, free enterprise economy that we need in order to have sustainable prosperity that's
0: Dr. Murray Sabrin professor of finance emeritus at Ramapo College in New Jersey and author of Navigating the Boom Bus Cycle an entrepreneur's survival guide coming up next more holidays turkey and football you're plugged into the Michael Harrison wrap
5: This report is brought to you by Genesis 2 Project, G2P. Recently, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the ODNI, released a preliminary report on possible threats posed by UFOs, now known as Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, UAP, and the progress the Department of Defense, UAP Task Force, has made in understanding any threats. Dr. J.C. Van Velkenberg is a former Los Alamos National Lab biophysicist who has been working with G2P to bring scientifically sound UAP data to the public.
1: G2P has released the first scientifically authenticated documentation of UAPs, including images captured with infrared technology. Primo Forensics performed the digital forensic analysis.
5: In tandem with the ODNI report, these data support the development of relevant processes, policies, technologies, and training for the U.S. military and government personnel upon encountering UAP. Visit genesis2project.com.
0: Continuing now with the Michael Harrison Wrap, let's get back to acknowledging this holiday weekend. Joining us now is Harry Hurley, the morning host at our affiliate in Atlantic City, New Jersey, WPG. Happy holidays, Harry. You know, you're a wonderful talk show host. You keep up with all the issues of the day. You talk about things internationally, nationally, and certainly locally. You're also a husband, a father, a brother, and I'd say a pretty well-rounded member of uh, the human race. So I'm interested in your view, taking in all of those perspectives that you have. I'm interested in your view of the holidays, both in general and in terms of how they're playing out this particular year in terms of the economy, all the things that are going on, as well as the, uh, the way
6: people feel. Michael, what a great question. It's, um, it's more important than ever. You know this because I know your heart, and we've gotten to know each other very, very well. We're about family. We're about our close friends. Uh, we work hard. But we know that's what we do. It's not who we are. We're completely different people than than what we do. But what we do is important, Mm -hmm. and we love it, and we love the work. But this holiday season is more important than ever. Uh, If you want to call it post-pandemic, but I have to tell you, I'm very concerned. Europe is blowing up. I follow this, as you know, from the beginning. And what happens there comes here. Very concerned uh, that we're not through with this beast of a pandemic. But it's more important than ever. Because a lot of people are hurting right now, and they're getting mixed messages. They're hearing from a president who says, I've given you so much money, you just don't, you, you can't buy anything because of the, the supply chain. I don't think our president realizes this is mirroring. He's, he's like Jimmy Carter, 2.0. Uh, inflation, the CPI comes out at 6.2%. But I, I remind the listeners of Michael's show that that's a false number that does not include food, which is through the roof. We went went from the least expensive Thanksgiving meal to the most expensive in less than a year. Uh, When you factor in food and energy that's not a part of that CPI, this inflation is out of sight. This is very much like the 1970s, and I hope that we can stop it because, you know, they talk about inflation being transitory. We're already at six months. It's not transitory. We're paying twice as much for gas. We're paying, in many cases, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 percent more for food, depending on the food group. Uh, That makes this holiday season so much more important for people to get together, to love their family, to love their friends. I did a piece that I, I sent Michael a copy of about my formula for life and that is to always have something to look forward to. We need to do that.
0: Yeah, we, we need to have purpose in life as, and as well as fun things to have purpose with, yep. as well as responsibilities. Um, I found it interesting in your in your article that you wrote um, about your happy places, um, <laughs> taking a list of things and things you like to do. And I, I noticed on it, one of the things that you like to do is that you like to go to Disney World. Uh, you know, I've never been – I've been to Disneyland many, many times, but I've never been to Disney World. What am I missing?
6: Here's what you're missing. All of Disneyland, every inch of it can be put into the parking lot of the Magic (laughs) Kingdom of Disney World. So that's what you're missing. You're missing multiple resorts. You're missing Epcot. You're missing Animal Kingdom. You're missing Disney Springs. Uh, It's absolutely amazing. I can just Decompress. I love it there. Uh, it is my happy place, and, and I try to get there two, three, four times a year without fail. I, I, just, I just love it there. I just love the experience. I, I'm a former hotelier, as you know, mm. so I always appreciate four and five diamond, four and five star accommodations and food and beverage, and they've got all that. And it's just a wonderful experience, and it's, for, it's a place where all ages participate equally. A child, we're a child at heart. I love it. And by the way, on my list, and Michael's too humble to say it, and I have a list of maybe 10 or 15 things that are happy things for me, I so look forward to Talkers New York every year. It, it, from a professional standpoint, it's the highlight of my year.
0: Well, I appreciate your saying that, and I wish you and the entire Hurley family and, um, you know, WPG is uh, is one of our um, uh, affiliates. I wish everybody listening uh, to the radio station a very happy holiday. And, um, hey, Harry, maybe um, 2022 will be a great year, you know? You never well, know.
6: And we have a say in that, Michael. We can make it a great year. We can do the best that we can. I wish you and Bernadette and Matthew and the entire Harrison family a blessed Thanksgiving.
0: That's Harry Hurley, the longtime Morning Host at our affiliate in Atlantic City, New Jersey, WPG. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison rap. Well, here we are, into the weekend kicked off by Thanksgiving. All of us here hope that you had a great holiday. Perhaps you watched some football. Joining us now from Sports Talk WFAN New York is legendary radio host Richard Neer. Well, first of all, Richard, we're having this conversation early in the week because uh, it was a crazy week and the program had to be produced in in advance. So we know nothing of the scores of either Thanksgiving or the following Sunday in terms of football or any sport. But um, it's an interesting topic because somehow in our American culture, it seems that football has co-opted – Thanksgiving, sort of the way basketball has co-opted Christmas. What's How did this happen? Well, it started in Detroit, 1934.
7: There's a man by the name of George Richards who owned the team, and he was a really good marketer. And he thought, wow, Thanksgiving, there's no football being played today. Why don't we put the Detroit Lions on well, they didn't have television then. Obviously, it was just radio. Right. But uh, let's let's have the Lions play, and they would have be the only story in town. And indeed, they were. They lost to the Bears in that first game in 1934. But they started this tradition which lasts to this very day okay and so fortunately they... the lions have been so
0: bad over the years that most people will say
7: please any team but the lions yeah
0: but but did they have a problem getting the bears to agree is there any story about that or did the bears go sure and, and and it always is at the lions home home stadium right i mean it, the bears had to go to detroit on thanksgiving i wonder how they felt about that
7: Yeah, I I, I don't know. Uh, Most of the Bears, I'm sure, who played in 1934 are no longer around to to tell us. (laughs) To complain. uh, It was (laughs) probably an inconvenience for them, sure, with their families. So how did all of a sudden Dallas become involved in this? Dallas did this um, back in 1978, I think, uh, was when Dallas did, and and you know now there's a night game as well. well I was going to that. I think in 2006, <laughs> right? So it, it's basically piling on in football where they said, "Oh, gee, you know, Detroit worked, but yeah, the, the Lions. How about the Cowboys, America's team, playing the second game?" So they they started that, and then uh, years later they said, "Well, gee, we might as well
0: go for broke here and have three games on Thanksgiving." Mm-hmm. Now they do. Well, that happened by accident because it was Thursday night football that wasn't designed for Thanksgiving. As a matter of fact, I remember when when it first started, they said, "And also, we also have a game on Thursday night, but that's not that's not part of the tradition of Thanksgiving because it could be any teams playing, whereas it's always America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, and." Uh, the uh, the poor <laughs> Detroit <a> Lions <laughs> who Detroit might Lions be the
7: worst team in football now. At this but point. you know, Michael, the interesting thing is that uh, the the NBC Thursday night game, or actually the Fox Thursday night game, they can flex this game. They're not tied in with the Cowboys now. This year, the Cowboys happen to be pretty good. But uh, if they weren't, they could put two really good teams on Thursday night in prime time and uh, succeed well in the
0: ratings. Right. But but, but that's not the the, da- the Dallas Cowboys always play on Thanksgiving. Right. I mean, that's right. And they play in Dallas and the right. Detroit Lions always play. And that really has been the tradition. And now that we have Thursday night football, we have that extra game. And that's sort of part of the tradition because Thanksgiving is always on a, a, a Thursday. Um has the Thursday night football situation, you know, which comes a matter of the four days after Sunday, has that created a, a danger or a hardship uh, or have an impact upon the players and the games and the results of the games as a result of that short turnaround?
7: Oh, it does. It does. I mean, football players need a week in between games to recover. You see the brutal beatings that they take during these games. So it's very difficult for them to come four days later and play another game. It's difficult for the coaches to prepare because they have to look at Sunday's film of the team that they're playing and see what new wrinkles they've introduced. The bonus is, though, that then you get the following Sunday off. You don't have to play for 10 days. So it does give you a little bit of a break after that.
0: So it's sort of a a little bit of hardship and then a little bit of a buy. (laughs) It's like,
7: yeah, yeah. You pay the price. And of course, now that they have games in England, uh, you generally have the buy after that. So you go to England and then you have two weeks to recover.
0: And how's that been going?
7: Well, I mean, it gets good ratings. You know, it's on 9.30 on a Sunday morning. So you've got a 9.30 game, a 1 o'clock game, a 4.30 game, and an 8.30 game. So
0: if you <laughs> love football, it's a great thing. Yeah. I, uh, I, I I, love football, but I have to tell you, I, I tend to feel guilty if I spend my entire Sunday watching all those games because, uh, you know, we live in a world today where we work seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I feel like I'm being a lazy slob sitting on my couch all those hours. I don't know. Do you ever get that? Well, you, you, Watching games is your business. So you feel like you're doing something productive. I feel- well, it that, funny. it's
7: <laughs> funny. One of the comedians, I think it might've been Bill Maher, said that- uh, the problem is, you know, Thanksgiving dinner, we always have that, that one uncle who has these crazy ideas and everything. And it used to be that you could say, well, I've got to watch football. But with the Lions, you got to say, well, I, I've got to watch the Lion game only if you're in Detroit, because otherwise <laughs> there's no excuse to watch the Lions game. So you're going to have to put up with uh, whatever discussions you have at the dinner table on Thanksgiving.
0: So what about um, basketball now with Christmas? That's not That hasn't gone back to the third. That's more recent, isn't it?
7: It is very much recent. I can't tell you exactly when it started, Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe 20 or so years ago. But uh, it has become a tradition where there's wall-to-wall basketball. I don't think it quite has the cachet of uh, Thanksgiving football. And I think it also, you know, think Christmas is still somewhat of a religious holiday. I people hope are so. supposed to go to mass. Yeah, um, you know, it, it still has that that connotation. So I think a lot of people don't spend the entire day watching basketball as much as they watch football on Thanksgiving.
0: And Christmas is Christmas is a sacred holiday, even if it's not religious. I mean, it, it has there's so much more involved in it. Whereas there's something about Thanksgiving where. I don't know. You, just, you could see yourself sitting on the couch and <laughs> after you've pigged out. <laughs> yeah, F- the Christmas dinner isn't quite what the Thanksgiving dinner yeah, yeah, is. You total, know, the whole different deal. In conclusion, do the players mind giving up their Christmas uh, for 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 a game, or even the even the in in football? Do do the teams that get picked to play on the in that game you know you know when you sign up for the lions you sign up for the cowboys you're going to be in a game but um when they say okay uh you know uh, the jets or the patriots or whoever you're uh, you're going to have to go to uh, to to detroit or, or dallas do they do the players uh, go oh no well,
7: i imagine it depends on the individual players but you know in football they practice every day and thursday's a big practice day now Some coaches, depending on who they are, will do a lighter practice on a Thanksgiving than they might on a normal Thursday. But, you know, usually they get Tuesday off. Wednesday is when they install the game plans and, you know, have the practice. Thursday is when they get serious about it. Uh, You know, Friday, Saturday are a little bit lighter. So Thursday is an important practice day. And you know, they they still have to report to work, with, in most cases anyway, It's that they don't have a real game unless they're playing the Cowboys or the Lions.
0: That's Richard Neer, legendary sports talk show host at WFAN in New York. And that about does it for this latest installment of the Michael Harrison Wrap, an overview of the national conversation, looking back at the week of Monday, November 22nd through Friday, November 26th, 2021, which, of course, is Thanksgiving weekend. Looking ahead, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about next week, including the ever-lurking unknown factor, that unanticipated surprise story that can take the national conversation spinning off in a totally unexpected direction. We sure do live in interesting times. This holiday weekend installment of the show took a bit of a break from the usual top ten topics such as race relations, the Capitol riot immigration, climate change, U.S.-China relations, crime and violence, the abuses of social media, and the rest. But I assure you, they'll be back. I can be reached via email at michaelattalkers.com. My podcast, The Michael Harrison Interview, can be heard at mhinterview.com. And if you want to stay in touch with the inner workings of the talk media industry, please visit talkers.com. The Michael Harrison Wrap. Our producer is Matthew B. Harrison. Thank you for listening.
5: The Michael Harrison Wrap is a production of Good Phone Communications in conjunction with Talkers Magazine and Talk Media Network. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.